0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode twenty-one, season two of the More Than Just Code Podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, I'm here in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hey hello. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I'm also joined by Mark Rubin in San Jose, California. Hey everybody. All right. So, uh, Aaron, you
1: want to jump in and start talking about Swift, Swift. Take it away. Okay. Uh, (laughs) happy new year, everyone. And to all of you guys. So great to be back. Uh, let's complain. That's what we do best about Right. Mm. Um, any of you guys use Swift? Yes. 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 A little bit. A little bit.
2: I mean, not in production, but I've tried it out a bit.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Swift is awesome. Uh, I think it's going to be a great language. No, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, as a language, I think it's, uh, it's really interesting. Like I've got, I've got niggles, you know, I'm a little concerned about the whole optionals and the, um, Mm -hmm. the generics and all that stuff, the the stuff in the, in the, the back 20% of the Swift manual, um, you know, maybe scares me just a little bit, but you know, mm-hmm. on the whole, I think it looks like a really great language and it's, it feels modern. Um, and I, I really like the look of it. I've, I've picked it up, I think, pretty well. I feel very comfortable in it. And on the whole, I've had good feelings about Swift. But, 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 <laughs> okay, you knew I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I did. So here, here's the thing um, just this last week, I started a new uh, role. Uh, a new contract, and it's for an app that has been on the store for uh, just over a year now. And Mm -hmm. it's been worked on by a team of developers, and it is fairly sizable. Pretty large app. Um, uh, Sometime in July or August of, of 2014, last year, the developers, or a number of them, started programming the app in Swift, as you know, you can mix Swift and Objective C together. so yeah. what we had was a very large application already, and then they decided to have a, a cutoff point where after that, everything they wrote was in Swift. And so when I came into the project, I was starting to work on a, a new component that had already been, the work had already been begun on, and it was all in Swift. And Mm -hmm. so I was put in the position of having to write Swift in production code in an Xcode project that was already quite sizable. Um, Some 500 source code files, about 50 Swift files. It's about the Mm -hmm. the proportions that we're talking about here. So um, at first I was pretty excited uh, for all the reasons I've said. This is a pretty interesting new language and it's looking really good. Um, But when I got working on it, I found a couple, two, actually, very serious, serious problems with it. Um, and the first I think everybody knows about already, and I just think it's probably worth mentioning, um, the fact that debugging is really, really difficult um, with Swift in Xcode. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I think all of you have, have mentioned before when you've worked with it. And I know everybody out on the internet does as well. The fact that you can uh, try to put a breakpoint somewhere and... When you arrive at the breakpoint, there are no variables on display in the variable viewer. What do you call that thing in the Xcode in the top, bottom left corner? Stack trace? Uh, the stack trace? No, no, that, that would be if you had a crash, right? On the right side in the console. But on the left side, <laughs> you've got the list of the variables at the breakpoint where you have stopped. You know that thing, I mean. Yeah, um, frame you variable. You know. Yeah, you, you arrive there with a breakpoint to say, okay, well, here I am. This is where I think the problem is. I'm going to look at what the state of the variables are. And there's nothing there. It's empty. It's mind-boggling. And then, of course, another more common issue is um, you'll have a crash. And nine times out of ten, uh, it puts the um, the breakpoint, if you want to call it that, at that point, uh, in, the, in the main dot. Swift file or whatever it's called, um, nowhere inside your actual code. And you just have no way of knowing except, you know, by guessing and putting print lines all over the place where, where the crash actually occurred. It makes debugging so difficult. So that's sort of one issue. Are you guys familiar with that one? I can't say that I totally am, but I've written a few things in Swift, like native Swift stuff. So the other the other problem I think um, is a little more insidious because I don't think it really rears its head until you get to a project of this size. Um, so whenever I talk to anybody else about it, they're like, "Well, you know, I've I've worked with Swift and I've never seen this before," um, and I think it's because um, it's it's been working you know people have are working on it in the playgrounds or or in you know small very uh, uh, well defined projects. So in this case. Um, the huge problem that I found found it very difficult to work with was compile time uh, I'd make a change to a single line of code in Swift and Xcode would throw out everything and rebuild the entire project from scratch hmm. um, if I wanted to move a, a label you know five pixels over and then see the result in the simulator I, I've got to wait two minutes for the thing to recompile
3: and build and run and actually I've seen exactly the same thing maddening. with objective c I oh, don't really? think that's a swift issue yeah uh, compiling storyboards in Xcode 6 if it's a large storyboard is ridiculously slow uh, so okay. I, I, anyway I don't think that's a swift thing but anyway
1: I, I think it is a swift thing and I could actually I could watch it because you can go into Xcode and uh, watch the individual files compiling Mm-hmm. Um, that's a command seven, I believe. Uh, the, you know, the list of uh, left column uh, little widgets there and shows the, the the build progress as it goes. And you can see as it's going through the Swift files, it takes a really long time to go through them. And then it blows through the Objective-C ones. Um, and yeah, I can see the storyboards. There's There's actually over 20 storyboards in this project. Uh I I don't know. <laughs> and uh they they do take a little time, but um I think it's interesting that they actually have to be all rebuilt. Like every time you hit Command R, you're basically recompiling that stuff every single time. Um so okay Mark, I, I, I saw that <laughs> and then um it was so bad that I actually talked my client into letting me um rewrite uh, four of these view controllers that were written in Swift back into Objective C. Um mm-hmm. just just to you know sort of make sure we were in a known good configuration and allow me to proceed um, more efficiently, I guess. And and he was aware of these issues too by the way. So it wasn't like me going and you know trying to make a case for this. Uh because he was seeing the same thing. Um so after I did that change, um any change I made in the Objective-C file that had been converted from Swift compiled like that. Um, no, no time at all. And it wasn't having to throw out the entire build and recompile everything every single time either. So make of it what you will, but I've, I've found in this experience that, um, you know, I guess it's no surprise that Swift, uh, the, the tools just to work with Swift need a lot of work still. Mm-hmm. Mark, mm-hmm. you mentioned
0: a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was um, that you noticed some stuff in Xcode six that had to do with storyboard yeah. issues slowing down, right? Yeah.
3: By the way, Aaron, I wasn't talking when I said it was not a Swift thing. I wasn't talking about compiling Swift. I was talking specifically about the storyboard. Uh, and this is this is something I can I can clearly reproduce. I mean, if you have a storyboard that has you know thirty or forty scenes in it, uh, oh, then, we did
1: talk about this.
3: Yeah, we talked. Yeah, about yeah, this the, the compile awesome. time. First of all, the compile time is very slow. Uh, but what I was referring to a couple of weeks ago is a, is a completely different issue that's also pretty annoying. That if you have multiple monitors, okay, which I do all the time, I use a, a laptop yeah. with a with a Thunderbolt display. That's my normal usage. Uh, if you have Xcode running uh, and the let me make sure I phrase this right the the main window according to your system preferences displays is your laptop then if you try to run Xcode with a storyboard on the external monitor, mm-hmm. it's extremely slow. If you have mm-hmm. Xcode running or the storyboard open on your laptop, it's normal. And I can even I've even been able to confirm that if you switch in system preferences, the main uh, display, in other words, you have the the menu bar up at the top of the external monitor in system preferences, yeah. then the problem switches. It goes away. So whatever oh, okay, the, the main display yeah. is, you can run storyboards fine on, as far as I can tell. But if you try to run a storyboard on the other monitor, it's a mess.
2: This is wow, that's, that's amazing.
3: Yeah, it's bizarre, but...
0: Well, I've heard people complaining on some of the groups that I belong to that about issues with storyboard. Um, mm-hmm. hmm. So I'm actually interested, Aaron. You said you run, run multiple storyboards, or do you mean multiple multiple views within a storyboard on your on this app you're working on?
1: Multiple storyboards. And how do they how do they transition between each each storyboard? Uh, well, you know, you can do that by uh, calling or creating a a variable to a, a new storyboard. Uh, there's mm-hmm. UI storyboard, storyboard with identifier, or storyboard okay. with name from nib. That's what it is. Um, and then you can instantiate a view controller out of that storyboard. Yeah, you just can't True. use segues
3: yeah. to transition from one storyboard to the next storyboard.
1: Right. No, no, that's no. what
3: you lose. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, you know, cool. there's a bunch of, obviously, a whack of mm. zibs in there, too, for different things. Um, it's a big file. Mm-hmm. It's a big project. So Hmm. Interesting. So uh,
0: my experience with Swift is I just went through. Um, as you know, I write for RayWunderlich dot com, and, and they made the decision a while ago to go all Swift, right? Um, so all of our apps have to be written in Swift, and uh, I had you know transitioning over to it was difficult when I when I first wrote the the application that I was going to write my article on. I actually wrote it in Objective C first just to go through you know, what I know works, you know, and then I went and did it, I uh, did the same app in Swift and, and it was just learning, you know, how to call things and, and it's not a very deep app. It's only got like, you know, uh, one view controller that does multiple things. But, um, uh, and, and if you listen to the Ray like uh, if you go to the radio Wonderlic site, we all did a song based on, um, source kit crashing all the time, which is lots of fun. Um, but i haven't really, i hadn't really experienced that kind of problems with with trying to debug the app as i went through but then like i said it's a small app maybe that's part of the issue is is the size of the app you're working on right i suspect that has a lot to do with it yeah yeah hmm and are you, are you the single iOS guy on that, or are you working with a bunch of other people? Like, are you taking part of the app and somebody else is working on something else? And...
1: Um, you know, I'm, I'm still not 100% clear on that. I, I suspect that I am the only full-time developer on the project okay. now. Okay, right, right, right. Well, congratulations on the new gig. Thank you. <laughs> I am pleased. Yes, um, yes. You know, th- it's, it's worth saying the reason that we're talking about this uh, overtly, uh, aside from giving me an opportunity to do what I do best, Bitch, bitch, Mm -hmm. bitch, bitch, bitch. um, Mm -hmm. Is that you, or Jaime, rather, uh, has has provided a link to Dan Jalkut's concerns about going to Swift. Yeah, I heard this too, actually. I listened to this the other day as well. Jaime, do you want to talk about it?
2: Yeah, so that was, uh, wow, that was a while ago. So that was Core Intuition, it looks like episode 167. Um, And Daniel was talking about um, some of the trepidation he has about, you know, going whole hog into, into Swift. And I think some of that, uh, of course is related to at least what I seem to be hearing here, where there's, um, some tools immaturity, right? That tools that were functioning quite fine with objective C are, are not to the same level of maturity for, for Swift. Um, piled on top of that is probably also other general software development problems over at the big fruit company. Um, mm-hmm. But in, in this other case, Daniel Jowkit was talking about the fact that um, since he's he's been in the Apple ecosystem for so long, this isn't the first time where something new has come up where right. it looked like it was the new hotness. And then here we are, like nobody even knows that you can do that anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember the, some of the specifics that they asked open about.
0: OpenDoc, Rhapsody. He was talking about the OpenDoc and a bunch of other things like that that were pre.
1: In
2: the classic days. Yeah. So, like, even, you know, creating Mac apps using Java, right, which would Mm -hmm. be mind-blowing nowadays. Yeah.
1: No kidding. (laughs) Did he mention – I remember there was one example that he mentioned, and I'm not sure if it was him, actually. That's what I want to check with you. Um, Garbage collection. Did he mention garbage collection as a technology, then?
2: I think both he and somebody from ATP, um, Accidental Tech Podcast, mentioned garbage collection in in Objective-C, I think, was – Right. I like, think, I think, think more than one podcast that I listened to in the past week or so. It,
1: it it's made, hard to keep track.
2: Yeah. There's so
1: many. Ours is the best, mind. But the, <laughs> the, I think that's the most recent example of an Apple technology that failed. The whole point here is that that, that was a technology that Apple introduced in, you know, fairly recent history. Um, and which developers then jumped all over. Not everyone, obviously, but, you know, many did, obviously. And, um, that turned out to be a really big mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, don't, so, I don't
3: know. I mean, uh, that's not something. Garbage collection was not something that Apple invented, right? I mean, that was no. That was a. Well, you mean standard the concept thing. or
1: the implementation in
3: Cocoa? The, the concept, right? Obviously, and, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so the fact that Apple rolled this out because it was meeting industry standards for other languages, and then came up with something better, right. I, I don't see that in the same way as as uh, as you know, if if and when with uh, <laughs> 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 Awesome. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that. Well, right. you know, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. sure no, no, a, obviously.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like Apple went on stage at WWDC one year recently and said, you know, we've got this new thing. It's called garbage collection. You should convert all your apps to garbage collection. Right. Um, and then, so for the developers who did that, you know, they, they paid a price. You'd have to admit, right. When, Apple later came out and said, "You know that garbage collection. Just forget about that. Uh, now we've got this thing called Arc, and you can just go ahead and use that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the way forward now." Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I can tell you too is uh, having worked with Swift over the last three or four months, it's changed a couple of times too, and and between incremental releases of Xcode, they they change the way that that optionals are are called and unwrapped and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and that that caught people it was you know of course that was a minor fix but that's an indication of no so again somebody making a decision and then somebody coming along and saying no there's a better way to do that later on for
1: some reason one thing the rest of us. yeah one thing i'm not really clear on um is whether swift is officially in beta or not right now mm. like when i see apple talk about it it's like it's swift 1.0 mm-hmm. but I don't see any mention of it being in beta. Now I remember during the actual beta phase it was, but if they're if they're thinking of this as uh, general release, then um, shame on them, because <laughs> I don't think it is. So sh- shame on them.
2: So shame on them for not having like an, a a specific flag on it, like beta that says yes, the here be dragons if you go this way.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, That's what I-, I think they should have.
2: I could see that because they could be, I think, a bit more forthcoming or forthright, perhaps, in, in how they're presenting it. Because it's, I think, one is when iOS eight came out, in September. I think that's, that's my when understanding. They, they, Swift went to officially to one but in any yeah. case, like two weeks later, there was a huge one point one or one point oh one change. It, it might have been optionals for all I remember. Uh, that like completely changes everything, right? I mean, it was just like a huge fundamental change to how
0: the you know, the language works. Yeah, I just confirmed it's 1.1 right now.
2: Okay. So. Um, so I guess kind of my thoughts here on on, on this, though, to trying to relate it back to the core intuition piece. So I think the garbage collection thing is a little bit different than Swift, right? Because it's it's sort of like a, an implementation change for an existing language. It didn't add, you know tons of new constructs it wasn't a completely different language and i think going back to sort of like the days when java was the quote-unquote new way to create mac apps Mm -hmm. that one was done from a position of weakness right which is not the case now with apple apple's in a position of strength and is you know it, it doesn't have to rely on somebody else to do that piece like they were having to do with sun microsystems at the time and with swift i think um Apple has shown that it's not just like, oh hey, here's this thing we created and, and we're done and then maybe they kind of forget about it say, like, Oh, that's terrible, whatever, we fired that guy who who did that. Let's go we'll get a whole new team to do something different. This one <laughs> seems like they're funny. working <laughs> much more closely with, you know, the development community to say, oh, like this isn't working out in the real world. Okay, great, we're gonna fix it in the next version of that.
1: Yeah. I, you know, for the record, I I totally don't think that's going to happen. I'm sure Apple is fully committed to Swift and it's it's here to stay, absolutely. Um, and I think those those of us whom I've spoken to about this have said, you know, this, this is early days. They're going to be growing pains, and I agree a hundred percent. Hmm.
3: Well, I mean, I can see, I can see for something like uh, Ray Wunderlich, the uh, the thing that you do, Tim. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. primarily an educational site, right? And exactly, and, yep. it's yep. and it's teaching, and it's in its small, you know, self contained projects, things like that. It makes perfect sense for that, but. I I can't see myself ever using a brand new technology for that, like that for something that my livelihood or somebody else's livelihood depended on, uh, within the first year of it, of it being released. I mean, to me, that just seems like a huge risk. Yeah. Well, Um,
0: and, and to be honest with you, uh, I still, as, as you know, I teach iOS and, and, uh, I start off with objective C and C, right. And, and we go through it and, we because we, I mean the reality is if a developer is going to get a job or especially a new developer is going to get a job out there they're going to need to know
1: Objective C they need to know what the existing code base is right I think for you know didactic purposes um, if you're Ray Wonderlic I think it makes sense for them I, I don't sure. think that's necessarily a bad decision um, yeah. you know you, if you go to Apple's you know they're they're the, the horse's mouth <laughs> um, you know even as we were talking I'm going to this I'm at the Swift website. Swift mm-hmm. 1.1 1. 1 is final, and you can build and submit your iOS apps written with Swift to the App Store today. And that's, you know, everything's honky-dory over here. Uh,
0: yeah, just yeah. make
1: sure you don't build anything too complex.
0: Well, I do know that, and like Greg EO over at Ray, RayWonderlick.com, he's a developer here from Toronto. He's a member of Taco as well. He's actually built a few pure Swift apps, and, and they're on the App Store now. Um, and Neil North is the guy that was just answering the question for me from Queensland, Australia. And he's, he's worked quite a bit in Swift as well, so... It's, there are people out there who, who are working exclusively in Swift.
1: Yeah, and that's good for them, and I think it's great. But I, I, I think I'm, I'm with Mark on this one. Don't rely on it for a production application on which your uh, livelihood depends.
0: Yeah, no. I, I again, I, like I said, I totally agree that that I think there's a, there's a a lot to be said for a mix of of the two right now. I haven't put any Swift in any of my own production apps yet, so uh,
1: yeah, and at, I don't plan to at this point. I would not. You know, like I'm I'm waiting for like the 1.5 release. Uh, with, you know, Xcode 6.5 or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, some point release, or even the next major release of both at WWDC next year, where they say, oh, yeah, guys, we've totally fixed the build tools. It's way better now. And then, okay, now let's talk about using this in production. <laughs> but if I don't hear that from Apple, then I'm just going to sit back and keep using Objective-C. Yeah. yeah. Brackets so what forever, we're saying, baby. <laughs>
2: what you're saying is we need a Snow Swift release.
0: Yeah. All right. So what else are we going to talk about today? Um, No, like this Marco thing, right? Oh, yes. Why don't you tell tell us, tell us. Okay.
1: (laughs) Some of us don't know what happened. So fill us in. Okay. Marco, um, two days ago now wrote a blog piece wherein he essentially outlined everything that we've been talking about on this podcast since inception, um, Mm -hmm. about how Apple is, uh, doing a poor job in software. Um, and if, if you've been listening to our show for any length of time, uh, you know exactly what's inside this blog post. There's nothing new. Um, the only thing that's really new is the reaction his blog post got. It's as right. if the, the floodgates opened and everybody who had been thinking about this or had talked about it all chimed in to say, yes, you know, you're exactly right. It's, this is what's happening. And so what's happening, in short... Um, we're all noticing the people that use technology that use um, Apple stuff has been seeing how the software is deteriorating in quality um, over time so the, the longer you use this stuff, the more bugs you see um, and it's it's piling up you know it's as as one person that Marco quoted said it's like it's death from a thousand cuts just a little little thing mm-hmm. here and there that just undermines your, um, your credibility as a software developer. Um, in this case, Apple, you know, when they keep shipping these bugs and we see it all the time, you know, like I think one of my favorite examples is airdrop, um, something that we were already looking forward to, uh, working between Mac and iOS. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think this is pretty much everyone's experience hardly ever works reliably.
0: I don't know. I, 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 okay, so I, there's always going to be
1: someone. Here we go. <laughs> no, no. I, well, so yeah.
0: And my point is is that, that I've I've seen the, the posts from people about airdrop not working, and, and and to be honest with you, I have not had a problem with it in the classroom settings, and in and in my own experience, trying to move things from one place to another. Yeah, I've seen some weird things happening in Yosemite and in iOS eight, but then I saw weird things happening in System seven, and System eight, and System nine, and OS ten, and all of all the various flavors of that. There's 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 always going to be some bugs and some things that just don't work everywhere.
3: I agree. I think there's just there's just more people talking more loudly about it this time, yeah, because Apple's yeah. a bigger company and a bigger target. I don't think it's any any different than it's ever been.
0: And it's easier to get. It's easier to get your thoughts out there and, and, and have a discussion about it, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the fact that I can talk to people around the world about this stuff and, and get help from around the world. I mean, Jaime also posted something that I put on Stack Overflow the other day, and it was solved for me by working with uh, another developer in Mal- in um, Malaysia. You know, he he went on the on his version of Google and found stuff that I couldn't find. You know, and within an hour we had the problem solved.
1: It feels like, you know, what we're talking about here are, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Frustrating? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Well, here, let, let, me,
0: let, let me interject with this, because let, let me interject with just for a minute then. So uh, just talk about my, my post to Stack Overflow. I've been working with Xcode and Yosemite since they came out. I had issues with, with Mavericks, and so I got into X, uh, Yosemite earlier than I normally would have. But it solved the problem for me that I was having with Mavericks. So I couldn't, you know, open folders and, and see what was in them for hours. Um, but as soon as I did that, after I found with Xcode 6, after a period, certain period of time, I could, st- I could, if I plugged in an iOS device into my Mac, it couldn't be recognized by by the Mac. It couldn't, like iTunes wouldn't see it, Xcode wouldn't see it. So I was trying to build an app, writing a tutorial for an app that has to run on a device. And so it was super frustrating and the only way around it was to reboot my Mac. Right. And I, so I did this dutifully and I went to all the polls and I put things up on Twitter and and nobody was getting, wasn't getting any bites from anybody. That's about what this problem was. Right. And one evening I was online with some, uh, in a chat room and I basically posted that I was having this problem and I posted it. I said, I give up. I've, I've put this up on stack overflow. If anybody can help me out, it'd be great. And like I said, the other developer, uh, went on his on google from malaysia and he found um what the issue was and i'll tell you what it is in a second anyway what it is is there's a a permissions issue in in a folder that registers whether or not you've said you trust a device or not right and i can tell you this isn't the first time i've seen permission issues from between one os and another and when i went into this folder i saw like 40 UDIDs for all the devices that I've plugged into my Mac and done d- development on, you know, own number of phones and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure you guys have too. And um, when I find the folder, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. You can you can look it up in your terminal yourself. And so, but the first solution was to empty out that folder. And that solved the initial problem. But after a couple of hours, the problem would come back again. And it turns out there's a service that you need to turn off or to, to reload. And again, this is an example of. Somebody at Apple dropping a ball, in my opinion, right? Because it's it was super frustrating to get it solved. What it is is um, it's a USB mux D demon or a USB mux demon that um, gets vecklemt, and then all of a sudden it can't. You can't, you know, get your your devices connected. So sh- restarting my computer was absolutely the wrong solution. We we're working on a Unix system. I should never have to restart my computer, right?
1: The word I was looking for was subjective before. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So help me
0: with my mux problem. See,
1: that's just it is that everybody (laughs) has a whack of problems. Sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, we've talked about this a few weeks ago, Tim, when, you know, on the Mm -hmm. show, uh, that very issue. And I saw it once myself, but not more than once. Oh yes, that's
0: right. Yeah, you did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but we've all got little problems that crop up for us uh to one extent or another and Mm -hmm. you know in the flurry of columns that came after marco's piece from all these other people that were chiming in um on both sides really people like mark who are saying you know it's always been this way so suck it up and then people who are saying you know what i feel like it's it has been more than than it than it should be really Mm -hmm. um and and getting increasingly worse Um, and they'll cite particular bugs some of which I've never experienced and some of which I have mm-hmm. and you know if I actually stopped every time I encountered one and wrote it down I think I would have a much longer list today than if I had done the same thing two years ago right right yeah that's I think that's what's really coming out here is the fact that you know we're not we're not documenting this we're not tracking it scientifically we just have this growing sense of Um, of the number of defects being somewhat out of control these days from Apple, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, it might be worthwhile to bring this to Apple's attention if they don't already know it. How couldn't they? Um, But, you know, to make sure that people are aware of this so that, you know, the the louder the noise, the more likely it'll be fixed, I think. I hope.
0: Well, I I do know that I uh, I wasn't speaking directly to the person who manages the team that reads the, the radars. But they do read the radars, you know. So, so if people are, they do if they, if they,
1: definitely read the radars, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, and they do, and they they are aware of them. So if people are, are having issues with developers specifically, are having issues with with um, with things that they're finding, they should file radars. And and every time I have an app that crashes, and and uh, you know, I'm offered to send a report to the developer or whoever it is that reads them on the other end, I say sure and fire it off to them.
1: Yeah, that's a good thing to do. Yeah,
0: because I mean, as as a developer, I know that you know when you want to go back in and, and see if you're having an issue with a with an app, you if if somebody posts a uh, crash log to you, it's great because then you can go back in and see where where it's having an issue that maybe something you hadn't thought about, right?
1: And that's fine, you know, that's great. Um, I want to like address also the the concern or the the doubt that this only matters to developers or people that listen to shows like ours or read blogs, like the kind mm-hmm. that have been talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the really important point is that, um, normal people are being affected by these issues. You know, yeah. they may not be taking to their plugs to talk about them, but mm-hmm. you know, every time, uh, a, an iOS 8.0.1 comes out that craps out their phone, mm-hmm. um, you know, millions of people are going to be affected by that. And then, you know, feel a little gun-shy the next time a similar update comes out. And, yeah. you know, Apple's whole business, like we talked about before, its brand really is is to be a quality purveyor of software so that people will rush to upgrade because they're looking forward to the the new features that come with every new iOS update or OS 10 update. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. anytime that you get defects like what we're seeing that are accumulating, you know, Subjectively or objectively, mm-hmm. um, then it contributes to that to slowing down that adoption rate, which as developers we do very much care about.
0: Well, that's true. I, I must. I have to ask a question to the group, though, because I'm I'm not one of these people. But are you a person that rushes out and put, installs the latest updates when things come out, or or do you think this is a production machine? I'm not going to jeopardize it. I don't rush. I do. I, I don't. Rush depending
2: either. on the kind of change it is, if it's a if it's a minor bug fix release i'll give it 2 uh-huh. days if it's a <laughs> so if it's a dot o, dot .0.1 but oh, if it's God, a dot .1 i'll i'll wait um a week and if it's a yeah. full brand new version of ios um yeah. i'll wait you know 2 weeks in in some of the worst cases yeah 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 just let everybody else you know be the guinea pigs on that um well
0: i still have a i still have a machine here in in, in the office that's that's running uh, mavericks i just cuz i just haven't got around to to updating it, right? And, and so, sort of like, you know, in the case of the US muc- USB MUX uh, demon issue I was having, that's not an issue that's endemic to developers. That, that could happen to anybody who plugs their phone into the device just to sync it, right? Or to download a photo or to, you know, back up their apps or whatever. Happened,
1: or right? update iOS 8 because they don't have enough room on their device.
0: Exactly. Well, yeah. Did you hear there's a class action lawsuit about the space on devices? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that was a insane. funny
0: one. <laughs> Get out
2: of town. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do think that there, there's a couple of things here that that come to mind, and one is I'm not sure, and it would be nice to do it scientifically, but I'm not sure if things are happening more often that th- these problems are occurring, or if I'm just becoming more sensitive to them because they're in in these certain spots that I'm likely to hit. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's like your phone it, ringings? It, well, <laughs> right. But I mean, like you, there, there have been some mind blowing, like how the heck did that one get through QA kind of yeah. of problems. Yeah. Um, but there's also been some other ones that are like, um, oh, yeah, you know, if I just heard about that one and I didn't have the mind blowing problem already fresh in my mind, maybe I wouldn't have even have cared too much that like some, right, right. some USB dongle doesn't work under some specific version of Yosemite. So, oh, okay, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but when you have things like, Oh, every time I save a file, this file saving menu gets longer and longer. i I've got to make sure to clear way, out doesn't. that property. Otherwise it's going yeah, to go off That's out the happening
0: screen. for me. <laughs> is there a property to do that? If you hold the shift key down you can uh, resize the window, if you click grab this side of it. Right. There, but yeah, is there a property that's setting that? Do you know? Uh, where,
2: I, I read some blog posts that there's, there's something you can, I don't know if there's a permanent way to make sure that it's fixed but like it gets out of whack and you can yeah uh, you can reset well my
0: favorite whack. app in the whole wide world is bb edit and and uh, the current version 11 has that issue um that if you if you open more and more documents and more and i use it all the time so what happens is the save menu goes below the window and you can't get to the button just to hit save and then uh but I found later on that, that if you hold the shift key down and pull from the side again, this is what we're talking about, Aaron. <laughs> yep. If you pull the pull the shift key or hold the shift key down and grab the side of the window and try to move it, it actually brings the bottom of the window up with it, which is totally bizarre. And like today, I have to announce after a, after a month of waiting, my phone is actually making noises when a new mail arrives. Like these are the it, it, so, that's the kind of thing that would affect an end user. I have to say, like you know, if I if I you know, and I've done everything. I've gone into notifications and I've gone into sounds and the and the thing, and and I, I was this close to erasing my phone and reinstalling it. Like, but and all of a sudden it just started working. So, go figure. Yeah, that one's a weird one. I don't, I don't really know what was happening there with the uh, phone sound.
2: Yeah, like. I, on the rare occasion that I've run into anything even vaguely like that, a, a restart of the phone seems to make it go away.
0: Yeah, well, it what turns out what, what's interesting is, and when it started, I forgot what I did, and I wish I could remember now, what I what I had actually done to get it to make a sound, right? Um, and then, but when in trying to figure it out, because normally in, in the older versions of iOS, you would go into sounds and you would, you know, go to mail and you would choose which sound you wanted. But now in notifications, you can have a different sound for each account, so I'm not sure, you know, so it's a kind of a conflict between which one is controlling it. Is it and, and is it because I use the do not disturb feature all the time, right? Mm-hmm. That, that somehow is getting everything, all, you know, like too many settings are being set to US user defaults or whatever, it's wherever these things are being stored, you know, and um, and they are conflicting and you're getting double negatives and therefore you have no sound and that kind of stuff. Right? Do you ever use but
3: rotation think- lock on your phone?
0: I don't, but... But uh, I get get calls from people all the time who get stuck with that, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is something that I've gotten a lot of customer reports about on some of my audio apps is that uh, people get really confused with the switch on the side because it it has potentially two different functionalities, right? It can be either the mute switch or it can be the rotation lock switch, especially on the iPad. Uh, And if you set one in settings and then flip that switch and then set it to something else, then the only way to get it back from unmute mode is actually go to settings. The switch doesn't work anymore. Uh, and, and that's, I can't tell you how many support requests I've gotten for that, uh, but it's not, I mean, it's not really a bug. That's the intended functionality, but but uh, just it's just a confusing thing. So yeah, I, I just want to go back to what Jaime was saying about, about the, the selection bias. I, I think the selection bias is real. Uh you notice these things a lot more now. And not not to say that these problems aren't real and they are real and they're affecting a lot of people, but I mm-hmm. think you notice them more because as I said, you're sensitized to them. I mean I remember back in the day, you guys probably remember there was a website called Mac Fix It, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I yeah. used to I used to go to that website every single day pretty much to check out, oh, what's broken now? What's <laughs> what do I have to what do I have to watch out for? Uh and it was even—I mean, it was even—you know—it was sort of a challenge. If you found a bug and, and put it in there, he would sometimes put you on there and put your name on it. It was—it was kind of oh. like a cool thing. Um, right. But you know, back then that was the only game in town. There was only this one site that was talking about the problems, but there were lots of problems. Now, yeah. and this is—you know—this is probably the late '90s. I'm talking about when there weren't as many people using Apple devices as there were, as there are now. But now mm-hmm. there's—you know—hundreds of these blogs and and lots and lots of press looking just looking for things to attack apple on because mm-hmm. it, because mm-hmm. it's it's link bait right and and i'm not saying mm-hmm. abso- absolutely marco wasn't doing that but he was a victim of it of the people who were who were uh, you know uh, writing about his his uh, post i think when there's just so much in the press so many people talking about it and making a big deal out of things that yeah in some cases our are real in some cases maybe aren't so real i mean who knows you know antenna gate right uh you're just so sensitized to it well anytime something happens that you're you're just not not anyone in particular but people are are remembering all the things that have gone wrong whereas Mm -hmm. if if they still had the image in their head that it just works which it should don't get me wrong it should but if you still had that image in your head then some of these little things you might not even notice were happening But they've
1: always Mm -hmm. been there. Yeah. You can certainly think back to the days of uh, iOS 7 and, or sorry, (laughs) System 7. System 7, yeah. (laughs) Yes. You know, where, (laughs) uh, you know, the computer barely worked, right? Right, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right. You know, um, applications writing all over each other's memory and crashing in spectacular ways. Um, They're dramatically more reliable now. We get that. Um, It just. It feels like lately it's been worse, and maybe you're right, Mark. Maybe it's just not as bad as we're making it out to be. Um, it just doesn't feel that way, but um, it's quite possible. I mean,
3: remember when Xcode 4 came out? It was a huge yeah. change from Xcode 3. Remember yeah. all the issues people were having with Xcode 4? It just didn't work. It crashed. It broke. Blah, blah, blah. And it did, right? But, you know, I don't, think, I don't think anyone was talking about it more or, well, I, okay, I think people are talking about the Xcode six issues a lot more than they were talking about the Xcode four issues, but they weren't. The Xcode six issues really aren't that much worse than the Xcode four issues. I don't think mm-hmm. it still works. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's my so I,
2: have, so I have a couple ideas here on like how some of this could go better. I think for Apple. So let's let's go back to um, to Marco's posts, and where I think he's one of many people who feel like you know, marketing's ruling the road here uh, over at Apple and, and is pushing too hard for too much, too fast, right? And, and that seems to make a lot of sense to me when I see things like this is the second or third iOS dev- um, release in a row where if you were running the bottom end device that supported that version, you really should not have wasted your time installing it because you'll have a worse experience overall. But that got dramatically fixed within a couple months. So the first suggestion I'd have is, well, why don't they say, great, this will be supported back to device X. But device X, your release is targeted for, you know, October or November, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming that iOS mm-hmm. comes out with a, an iPhone in September. Why not do that? I mean, it's not like you can't still get the marketing push anyways. I mean, the, the big star of the show is the new devices that are coming out, which are the easiest way of getting that fancy new iOS.
0: Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: And then your existing users aren't, you know, kicked in the teeth because they were low on the, on the totem pole in terms of prioritization, understandably mm-hmm. low, but mm-hmm. still it's like, well, you could have solved this by just not releasing it for them until it was ready for them. And kind of similarly in terms of bringing back the scope a little bit, I remember back in whenever it was that the the really disastrous iOS 8 release came out. It was 8.1, September, October time frame. Um, I remember saying, like, hey, this HealthKit and HomeKit stuff, um, what's going on with that? Did that really have to be there on day one in September? And, Mm -hmm. And HealthKit has been, I think, maybe okay. At least I can name some apps and devices that use that. I can't name a single one that uses HomeKit. Couldn't even tell you who's building a HomeKit compatible device.
1: It's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, CES is okay. this
2: week. Oh <laughs> well, yeah. 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 So now, so now that's the case. But they could have just easily released. You know, hey, here's iOS 8.5. It's got all this cool stuff for home.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So let's wrap it up once again, like we do every week. Uh, let's go around and see if anybody has any picks, and we'll start again as
1: we usually do with Aaron. Have you got a pick? I do. Smash hit. Okay. Smash I'll bite. hit. It's a game and. Aspirational game name, I think, uh, but it is appropriate because in this uh, game you are sort of soaring through a 3D space throwing shiny metal bearings, ball bearings, at panes of glass. It's it's a beautifully rendered game um, with very satisfying game mechanics uh, throwing these balls around, and the idea is to get as far into the... Uh, 3d environment as you can before you run out of balls Uh, along the way you can collect balls by smashing gems Um, but every time you hit a pane of glass uh, you lose 10 balls and of course you lose them when you throw them but um, the environments uh, start off pretty straightforward and easy and get progressively difficult as time goes on.
0: And is there a wonderful glass breaking noise associated? with Oh breaking? yes, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: really yeah. nice. <laughs> um, so if you're if you're into breaking glass and who isn't, uh, I would highly recommend <laughs> this game. It's um, it's free, uh, of course, uh, with an in-app purchase, which is really straightforward. Uh, I believe it's a dollar just it to is, yeah. unlock all the game modes. And to allow you to um, continue from a later stage of the game, uh, it has checkpoints at various points throughout. Um, so for that $2 purchase, you can unlock the entire thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But even at free, it's it's just a lot of fun to play. Mm. Highly recommended. Um, okay, Jaime, do you have anything any picks for this week?
2: Yeah, my pick is a little bit different. It's called Piskel, and you can go to Piscalapp.com. And it's... Um, an online tool that also has offline capabilities, so you can actually download the source. Uh, it's open source for this um, to create pixel art and, and animated sprites. So, pixel art being sort of the, the new hotness with everybody thinking about retro, right? Um, mm-hmm. This is oh cool. It's kind of one of those things that kind of tickles me pink, especially because they decided to use Mega Man of all things from the, the Nintendo as their their example there. But I've, I've played mm. around a little bit with this, and I'm, I'm not exactly a, a graphic artist nor am I a sprite artist. But it's pretty simple to, to just go in here, start poking around with um, you know a 32 by 32 pixel object and start changing colors and selecting bits and, and making this a different part of a different frame. And it, it just works really nicely. Mm. I'm not a professional at this, so I don't really know if there are better tools than this. But this is free. You can export to animated GIF or you know you can download the sprite sheets for yourself so that's it seems like it'd be pretty handy for somebody who's trying to do
0: something for like sprite kit for example sure yeah hey who's remembering resedit i was just going to say mm. resedit that's what i used to use to do this stuff mm. i used to i used to love resedit you know before i was a developer i used to go in and see how apps were put together and look at the resources and stuff like that back in the day mm-hmm. that's cool that's a neat, neat app. That's a, there's another one like that um uh, what's his name uh, from Winnipeg? The artist um, who's doing the voxel stuff. Um, You're talking about Mike Berg from We Heart, we yeah, Heart um, Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I, yeah. I'd asked him about a hey, different one. It was um, Magic of Voxel, which is also another free um, open source tool. I think. Oh, so
0: he did because I saw your question to him. He answered, "Is that what it, Magic Voxel?"
2: Magica Voxel. I'll, Magica I'll put a link voxel. to that for you for the cool. show
0: notes. Yeah, because I because I've seen a few uh, apps like that, like like the. Uh, what's the one you guys have been playing, um, the chicken one? Crossy Road. Crossy Road? Crossy Road, yeah, oh. yeah. And Aaron, you got 200-something points on that?
1: I kick all the butt. Yep. Wow.
0: Pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. I
1: had a good game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how you managed to get that far in that game.
2: Yeah, what is the technique? like? Do you? So some people have said that turning off the audio helps you concentrate. Oh, no, that I've, I I've love I've gotten a little bit audio. further with doing that.
1: Yeah. Ooh. You know what I do? I, f- I find I'm best when it's uh, using a character that is simple, like the frog um, mm-hmm. and the daylight, you know, like normal daytime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that um, there are different, like, you know, it generates the courses rather, you know, programmatically. And so you, you're going to get something different every time. Um, there are just some courses that are easier than others. Um, you know, it's, it's that simple. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have, you know, it's, it's true that I've certainly developed, um, motor skills that <laughs> Aiden, like, <laughs> you have had the time too, right? <laughs> well, a little bit. <laughs> I haven't played lately for some reason. Hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I've gotten so far that I, I can actually like race cars, you know, like if I'm in a lane and a car is coming at me, like wow. I'll actually jump a few squares uh, away from it just wow. to give myself time to get into the next lane. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've. Benefited from in you know employing some sick moves. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, and that that every once in a while you get into a little jam. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's your ability to get through those little jams that uh, that takes you to the next level. Yeah, you know? I think
0: I think if if I got points for smashing the side of a truck, I'd be doing really well with that game. Yeah. So do you
2: do you use it on iPhone or are you using it on iPad, and do you see a difference in whether you're better yes. at one versus the other?
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, definitely find that I'm better on the uh, iPad. And, uh, you know, I just feel like I can see more on it, you know? Mm. And I play it in landscape.
0: Oh, do you get, you get more? In oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Ch- try it. I mean, it's, it's fully uh, size class aware, I think, <laughs> because it works in, uh, in iPhone, iPad, and landscape and portrait orientations. And if you put it in landscape, um, you can see the entire uh, grid, right? Like, if you're if you're in portrait on the iPhone, for example, mm-hmm. then it sort of pans back and forth a little bit to show you the the uh, the limits. You know, you can only go so far left and right, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have it in portrait, or sorry, landscape, you mm-hmm. can see the entire game grid, which gives you a little bit more visibility. Is that... Tim, are you playing yeah, yeah, the game? Yes, of course I am. Right. I'm playing in landscape. <laughs> There's the go. hot
2: tips. I had no idea. I always play it in portrait. I had no idea it even worked. Yeah, like some either. kind of animal. I'm killing this game. Look at this. No wonder I'm doing so poorly. Like (laughs) this game didn't teach me how to do it, but (laughs) you know, but it kind of was a little aside here. So um, the folks over at the unconsolable podcast, um, they interviewed at least one of the folks from Crossy road. Mm -hmm. And that thing has been really successful. So they, that person mentioned that they were at Liberty to say that it was crossing into the seven figures Realm. Wow! wow and Yeah, i
1: heard they said that they could be retiring now if they wanted to
2: that's amazing especially because they also mentioned that it took them um, 12 weeks to develop oh
1: i hate these guys already
0: mm.
2: yeah
1: <laughs> well it is a really good game
2: <laughs> it, it is good it's it's pretty polished and i still um i still enjoy I, I paid for maybe one or two characters but normally i just enjoy the the lottery aspect of
1: yeah of mm-hmm. getting yep. the free ones It's fun. Yep. There there aren't a lot of games that I find have good staying power, but this is one of them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And and so far, Smash Hit is turning into that too, by the way. Uh, Okay. Good to hear. Mark, you had uh, something you wanted to add about AV Audio. I do. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I guess I'll continue the theme of me being the resident Apple uh, defender or apologist (laughs) or fanboy or whatever you want to say it. But I want to talk about a a new technology that, that Apple rolled out in iOS 8 that I think probably not that many people are are aware of, but it's, but it's actually really cool. Um, So if you've ever had to do audio on, in iOS or or OS X, you know that it's, it's core audio is, is amazingly powerful. And I mean, I mean, really, really uh, a nice piece of technology, but, but it's also really gnarly to use. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is based on, on just raw C or C++ APIs and, and, uh, mainly because of you just need the performance, you know, you're getting right in there in the, in the audio rendering thread and, and looking at real data. You just need the speed to, to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to do any of that without, you know, without lagging the system or missing, missing audio frames. So, uh, so historically, um, there was a, the lowest level technology was something called audio units, which were really cool also. I mean, they're they're basically nodes that you set up that do different things. It can be sources or they can be um, mixers or they can be effects that you kind of wire up in a graph and, and you can uh, have the audio go through in, in real time. And you can, you know, look at what's happening and, and at different points you can tap in and, and, you know, create your own effects and whatnot. Um, but again, that, that was very hard to use. And you know even the, simple, the simple code that's out there, I mean, you know, AURIO uh, uh, touch, if you ever tried to dig through what's going there, it's, it's pretty complicated stuff. So, anyway, long story, but Apple introduced something called AV Audio Engine, which is finally a, an Objective C wrapper around all this stuff Ooh. that is actually quite easy to use. Uh, basically, you just create an, an AV Audio Engine and you create, uh, you allocate init nodes and connect them and it's it actually works quite well it's pretty amazing Ooh. so all the stuff that would take pages and pages of c plus plus code in the old days now you can do in you know four or five lines of code it's it's pretty cool Ooh. uh there's a a good talk on it at, at last summer's wwc if you go check that out um and uh you know I've been playing with it the last couple of weeks it's it's pretty fun to use actually now it's not perfect you know it's uh it's it's got a couple of little warts here and there like uh for example the the um the sampling window that the minimum size sampling window that you can set. It, according to the documentation it's it's very, very short. It's you know a few milliseconds or, or you know, tens of milliseconds. But in reality it's it's actually more like three hundred and seventy five milliseconds. So that's a little bit long for doing, you know, real time audio, but you know, there's ways around that and I see it getting better. Hmm. So this is something where Apple saw a need. They saw that there, there was a real problem for developers here. I mean, for sure, there was a problem for developers using Core Audio. And they, mm-hmm. they fixed it. So I'm pretty happy about it.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's related to that. There's a technology called PD, uh, which is a, an, audio, an open source audio um, thing that um, I saw a talk on at 360iDev uh, two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And it was about... Um, and it was the same sort of thing. It was you could wire things up and, and create nodes, and you know have like a little sampler and then apply, apply an effector or a filter to it, yeah. and build sound into your app, right? <laughs> yep.
3: So was that a a third party wrapper on audio units, you
0: know? No, it, it it wasn't necessarily in iOS. It was oh, okay. actually something that you you created the, you created these uh, these files on your on your machine yep. your Mac and then you could put them into your app as as uh, as triggers and sounds and stuff. So oh, it was it was it was really high level stuff, but but it sounds similar very similar to what you're just talking about where you can it they had it had a little very rudimentary in, interface where you could wire things up, yep, and make connections between things and then and yep. then you know have have your Mac go Bing, you know yep, yep. Or whatever or beep when you hit the keyboard cool yeah so my my uh pick this week is is completely non uh development well it is development in a sense we got a printer bought simple metal printer for christmas and the thing has been printing non-stop since the day we got it and so i actually printed out an apple watch i think i posted a vine about that a couple of weeks ago um a couple of days ago i guess wow um and that's, that's the coolest thing since sliced bread. It's cheaper than an iPad, um, to get one. And you basically, there's a whole, uh, ecosphere of, um 3d uh, models that are out there already like if you want to print out a starship enterprise or uh, serenity or or an apple watch for instance um and it just uses like a um, pla plastic it goes into like a little heater and it just you know sits there and there's four servos in the thing and it just goes back and forth and prints out your little 3d objects so if you have any sort of inkling for doing 3d modeling or prototyping uh it's really kind of cool and so you can if you're doing stuff. I think, Mark, you were talking about building some devices that would augment what you could do with a phone, I guess, a couple of years ago when... Um,
3: yeah, we were, talk- we were talking about the, the, you know, low-energy Bluetooth accessories. Yeah, that
0: kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to build, like, little cases for stuff, um, this is the kind of thing you could do on, Do it on, and, and uh, it's kind of like a printer, but it prints in 3D. It's really cool. Like, you know,
1: that's my pick. It's really cool stuff. I can't wait until they can, like, be like in Star Trek, you know, or they can print me anything well this is the idea this is the idea like
0: you know carol calls it her replicator right and just basically you know earl grey tea hot you know yeah and uh which is the dream so we 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 jokingly started up a little 3d printing company on the side and we'll see how, how it flies <laughs>
1: <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: riverdale 3d yeah
1: so next week we're like guys we're doing a show and tim's like no i'm off i'm yeah, on vacation because I'm, I'm super rich
0: <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So I guess that's uh, it for the week. And uh thanks for coming back to hear us if you're if you're coming back and if you're new, welcome to our podcast. And so Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs,
1: where would they look? I think the best spot is Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com slash AaronVay. I also have a website, innovative.com. Cool. And Jaime, where can people
0: find you? At Dev the hair and Dev dot com. On Twitter. And Mark?
3: Mark R at Spamsoft.com.
0: Cool. And once again, I'm Tim Mitra. I am at T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter. And that's probably the best place to get me. Or also on uh, it-guy.com, which is my company website. And uh, that's about it. We'll say goodbye and more info coming up in the outro. So, goodbye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find the summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about and links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow and retweet our tweets. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJV underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on Patreon.com. You can provide as little as a dollar per month. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening.
1: Those Release Notes um, episodes that you've got, or that Jaime and you have, um, mm-hmm. um, I've already got them queued up to listen to during my trip. So I'm um, looking forward to Oh, yeah. Haven't, haven't heard them yet. yet. But uh, yeah. uh, if you want to touch on them, that's fine. Yeah, I don't know if we need more mm-hmm. than a couple of big topics to talk about for this show.
0: Sure. Well, I, the, the next episode of Release Notes, I don't know if you got that lined up. Um, yeah, I do. I just listen, I listened to it today, and it was really good. It was They were talking about, um, it's the two of them talking about how how they price things and how they feel about apps? They're you know they're just experimental and <clears throat> that kind of stuff. So yeah, actually there was an app I saw the other day that I thought trying to remember what it was, but it, what I liked about it was um, that the guy was charging like nineteen bucks for it. It wasn't you know he wasn't like you know lowballing
1: it. Trying to remember what the hell that was. Was it an, a game or mm. productivity? Or? Uh, hmm. I haven't seen Hang a twenty dollar like an iOS app. For twenty bucks?
0: Well, ben- Benjamin by by uh, um, Charles Perry. Uh, you know,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. Medic uh, Medicite yeah. Software. That's a twenty dollar app. I've actually been looking at some audio apps, and they're all twenty yeah. to forty dollars too. I was re- I was really oh, yeah, surprised. Um, all all the core I have I have most of the core gaps, and they're all they're all in that range. Yeah, I mean those and, are sort of the professional ones, but even the just the amateur ones. There was one that was just a really all it all it was was a was an FFT. Uh, fast Fourier transform to show the frequency components of your of your audio signal in real time, um, mm-hmm. which I was looking up because I I was building that for for something. So so anyway, so I was just seeing what was out there on the store and and, um, yeah, there's people are selling these things for twenty bucks. I don't know who's buying them, but they're out there. Well, and that's a,
0: that's the thing though is like all of the um uh, omni omni apps like omni graffle mm-hmm. and um, what are the other ones? Help
1: me out here, Aaron. Um, you mean like the, the big gaps? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like everything from Omni. Yeah. Um That's the only th- example I can think of of a company that charges yeah. real money for their software.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that, and that was the gist of. Uh, I don't want to ruin your listening to uh, release notes, but that was the gist of the episode that I put up. It, Eighty-five was was. He was saying, "Well, why are people charging like nothing for their software? They put effort into it. They want to keep it going." You know, so what if people don't buy it? Like, what if you know, if you if you have a uh, if your software is good enough and, and it's worth you know twenty thirty dollars, why do you care that everybody doesn't download it? Just because there's millions of people using your phone doesn't mean that's your market, Indeed. right? Okay, I think I found the app I was talking about,
1: but I don't think it's not it's nine dollars, not nineteen dollars hmm. dash for oh, iOS. Oh yeah, I bought the hell out of that thing. It's great. What is it's it? documentation software? Uh, so it, it downloads documentation. Oh sets. yeah 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 right yeah, right. yeah. Right. I have it on the Mac and on iPhone iPod. Okay, that may not may
0: not be the one I was thinking of, but I did, I did stumble across here. I think I heard about it in a podcast. Maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe this one. What's it called? Dash. D a s h. Dash. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's like offline viewing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you download the doc sets from a variety of sources over the web, and oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, uh, it's invaluable on the Mac because, as I'm sure you're aware, Xcode's documentation viewer is is uh, it sucks ass. <laughs> <laughs> with the, the quick view on the side. No, I'm talking about the, the, the one actual full on doc v- viewer that you would go to um, if you were to like command click on a method. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hate it. But is it is it me or was it better before? Yeah, I, oh, yeah I recall it used it to be better. E- easier to find stuff. Yeah, it right? was uh, when X- I think it was Xcode five when it came out and they they did this new right. doc viewer and it's um, it's just terrible. But,
0: yeah, because I remember, I remember showing students how to find, you know, if you wanted to find out about, you know, a UI table view controller, you click on this and it would go over to, and you can actually grab the code pieces and copy and paste them into
1: your app. Yeah. And they're much
0: harder to yeah, find yeah, now. Yeah, right? yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So Dash is a really great replacement and it's, um, uh, it's not just for um, Apple developers. Uh, you can get, you can get uh, documentation sets for hundreds of frameworks and languages. Right, it's right, terrific. So the, the reason I brought it up,
0: though, is because it's an example of an app that somebody's not selling for a yeah, nickel, yeah. right? They're selling it for ten bucks, yeah. nine ninety nine Canadian or U.S. You know, because it, it has
1: it's a productivity app, like you said, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, anything that's uh, that professionals would use in their work, I think you should charge real money for.
3: Yeah, well, right, I mean, yeah,
1: because professionals should pay for it. Exactly. Exactamundo. Yep. Yeah.
3: If That's you right. do a, uh, do a search on FFT, you'll see a bunch FFT. of FFT stands for fast Fourier transform. It's a, it's Everybody a, it's a thing so in, 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 in audio and other stuff that it's, it's how you get from the time domain into the frequency domain. And of course, uh, Duh. well, <laughs> dude, you're an audio guy, you know about this stuff.
0: I know. I know a little bit about yeah. it. You might have to explain it to so, me. Use, use, use smaller words. Look,
1: it's got a Wikipedia article. What else do you need? Yeah, fast Fourier transform, everyone knows. It's an algorithm to compute the discrete Fourier transform. It's an inverse. Fourier analysis converts Mm. time or space to frequency, and vice versa. An FFT rapidly computes such transformations by factorizing the DFT matrix into a product of sparse, mostly zero factors. As a result, fast Fourier transforms are widely used for many applications in engineering, science, and mathematics. Yep. So if that doesn't clarify it, I don't know what does.
3: Well, so... What the apps are all about is if you want to know what the uh, the different components of your audio stream are looking like, like an, EQ, uh, an equalizer, an EQ, or something like that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. This is what this is what is happening that tells you that. Um, like when you get that sort of waveform uh, animation, sort of thing, you mean? But the waveform is usually the time domain, so that's a represent an electrical sig- representation of the actual audio signal in time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But that can be broken down into the various frequency components, you know, the high frequency, low frequency, mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah. that's what you EQ, right? If you want to, if you, you know, on your mixing board, right? When you have the, the, you know, the, the base treble on the, and mid range knobs, mm-hmm. right. You're mm-hmm. actually tweaking these components. So, uh. so these apps, all they're doing is taking an audio signal and doing some math on it, which granted in iOS is not the easiest thing in the world. But the point I was trying to make is that look at the prices on these things. You know, ten ninety nine, four ninety nine, thirteen ninety Well, that's Final Fantasy. Okay, that doesn't count. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Signal Scope, twenty four ninety nine. Audio tools, nine ninety nine. People are selling this stuff for real money.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare some they? of them are selling for <laughs> How dare they? How dare yeah. they? <laughs> some some of them are priced for get. But it's amazing how oh, many people are, are using a freemium on them too, right? So Yeah.